Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Larry Kay, and I'm a recovered compulsive reader. Today is Friday, January 13th, dun, 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 2017. Uh, today we are uh, reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We are revisiting the doctor's opinion. We're currently on page XXVIII, and we're reading the last paragraph, which starts Men and Women Drink. Um, and we're reading through two par- paragraphs uh, ending that required to follow a few simple rules. And our comments are going to be on the second uh, second paragraph. So uh, let's see. Today's readers, we have Mary B. on the 12 Steps, Lorraine W. on the 12 Traditions, and the readers of the text, we have Deb W. and Janice M. The reference number for yesterday, Thursday, uh, January 12th is 9474. That's 9474. The OA preamble, uh, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. Uh, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can indeed recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. So let me now ask Mary B. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Mary. Good morning, Larry. Save me a hug. This is Mary B., calling from Yuma, Arizona this morning, the 12, but en route to L.A. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a decision made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters 
and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for the opportunity to be of service. Thank you, Mary. Okay, traditions, traditions. Lorraine W., will you read the uh, 12 traditions for us? Yes, I will. Thank you. This is Lorraine W., Recovering Compulsive Overeater. The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority. A loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for allowing me to do this service. Thanks, Lorraine. Okay, I think this meeting works. Let me see how this is supposed to go here. How our meeting works. Our, our meeting focuses on the directions of recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. And we are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. So to share, press star one to unmute. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a a quiet meeting, everyone's uh, phone except the speaker should be muted. And so today we're gonna resume where we were yesterday. Uh, we're gonna resume the study of the, of the big book and we're in the doctor's opinion. And we are on page XXVIII 
the last paragraph, which starts Men and Women Drink. And we're reading through two paragraphs, and Deb's going to uh, she's going to focus her comments on on the second paragraph. So, with that, let me ask Deb W to get us started. Deb, good morning. Good morning, Larry. This is Deb W, recovered in Oklahoma. Men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. The sensation is so elusive that while they admit it is injurious. They cannot, after a time, differentiate the true from the false. To them, their alcoholic life seems the only normal one. They are restless, irritable, and discontented unless they can again experience the sense of ease and comfort which comes at once by taking a few drinks, drinks which they see others taking with impunity. After they have succumbed to the desire again, as so many do, the phenomenon of craving develops. They pass through the well-known stages of the spree, emerging remorseful with a firm resolution not to drink again. This is repeated over and over, and unless the person can experience an entire psychic change, there's very little hope of his recovery. On the other hand, and strange as this may seem to those who do not understand, once a psychic change has occurred, the very same person who seemed doomed, who had so many problems he despaired of ever able ever solving them, suddenly finds himself easily able to control his desire for alcohol, the only effort necessary being that required to follow a few simple rules. And so looking at this second paragraph, um, uh, I... Uh, read from it, I got from it that, you know, walking through the reprieve, you know, my my thoughts are that the the spiritual uh, transformation even starts with the beginning, and I call it the reprieve, a reprieve, um, uh, as a part of the spiritual psychic change. And that's the time when like so many other times, I swore off the binge food, but this day, this time, uh, for some reason that I don't understand, I'm able to not eat it. I'm able to to uh, say no, and and what happens is I can say no that day, and if I choose, I can say no that next day. Something different happens. Um, I'm. I'm uh, amazed. I don't understand how it happens, but I am a bit shaky uh, these first few days. But as long as I'm willing, that childlike strength stays, you know, I'm able to stay out of the food. And the next immediate step is to get a sponsor. Or if I can't get a sponsor, use the network or the fellowship or local groups and start working the full process of the steps. And once the psychic change occurs or happens, uh, during, and that to, that psychic change is, is not necessarily happening at the end of the steps. It's, it's happening during the completion of the steps. It says the very same person who seemed doomed had so many problems, despair ever solving them, finds himself easily able to control his desire. So now I've had a transformation of mind and body. 
And if I choose to, it says I'm easily able to control my desire. It doesn't say I can't choose to go back. It says I'm given the strength to say no, uh, to choose an option for living, to live life on a spiritual basis, to pause before I react, to pray, to choose to want to put away my ego and my pride, and to be of help, to want to be of help to God and to others. Do I do this perfectly? No. But just like the gift of controlling my food desires, I have a gift if I choose to accept help in dealing with my everyday life and living on life, living life on life's terms for the rest of my life. Each day a new strength is given. And how do I keep this gift? By continued working the 10, 11, and 12. Uh, uh, recovery bills. And my relationship with my higher power, with God, strengthens. And I go immediately to that source of help. You know, I exercise that muscle, and I go to that source of help. And that is living life on life on a higher plane. That is, for me, my understanding is that is that spiritual experience and that spiritual uh, change. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Deb. Okay, so we'll open it up. Who would like to? Chris, Chris, Chris. I hear Janice. Janice M. Nicole P. Leah M. Sally A. Danielle O. All right, here's what I got. I think I missed somebody so far. Um, I think I heard Chrissy, Janice, Nicole. Leah, Sally, Danielle, somebody, I missed somebody in there, didn't I? Nicole. Who was that? Nicole, yeah, I got you, Nicole. Okay. Well, let's I start. I said twice too, Larry. Okay, I wrote, I'm going to write you down twice then. No, <laughs> no. Um, I I'm goofy. I'm in L.A. I'm tired. I'm goofy. All right, so we got Christy, Janet, Nicole. There was Janet, also another Nicole. Nicole. Was also oh, was there, there is a Nicole. Okay. Yes. So, Let's see. We got Chrissy, Janice, Nicole. First Nicole. You guys figure it out. <laughs> Leah M, Sally, Danielle, and second Nicole. Uh, Chrissy, you're up. Good morning. Hi, good morning. It's Chrissy G, recovered in New Jersey. And um, this morning I was just thinking when Deb was reading about, I was actually thinking about before Deb was reading, I was thinking about it yesterday, the powerlessness of step one, you know, so we have to take action on the rest of those steps. And step one, I, you know, we have to be thorough. So we, we look at powerlessness and it's like, yeah, damn, I cannot, I cannot do this anymore. Every time I take a bite, you know, it overpowers me. I'm powerless over it. And then the other part of the step, I, I feel sometimes with some people that I speak to gets ignored, the unmanageability. It means that I can't manage my own life. I've done a really poor job of it. And so I'm going to listen to a sponsor. I'm going to listen to a guide. I'm going to listen to the urgings I'm getting from my higher power. I'm going to listen to a nutritionist, a therapist. It, that's what it really took for me. And I, I hear a lot of like self-will and a desire to manage. And I, I speak for myself. I know that I didn't get anywhere further in the steps really or feel any kind of an awakening until I understood what true unmanageability, powerlessness, and the obedience that has to take place afterwards. 
I mean, it's a dirty word to us strong-willed addicts, but that's necessary. Obedience and trust is necessary. It's, it's kind of like, you know, how do we do that? How do we do that? How do we live our, our whole lives, managing our lives poorly, but at least knowing what we're going to get, you know, for, as a result? And we always get the same thing, misery and pain. And there's some consistency in that. And how do we let go and allow for something better to come in to take its place? We all say that we want it, but I know that I was scared of it. I was scared of recovery. And I hear a lot of people um, wanting to rush through the steps and feel better. I just want to feel better. I want relief. I want that awakening. I want to feel what everybody else feels. It comes with sacrifice. It does. There's a price that has to be paid. And, and the first sacrifice is giving up your your um, sense of, I can manage my life. I know what's best for me. No, no, that's the first, one of the first things that has to go. And, um, and then the rest, the rest actually can, can be easier after that. That's, that's a really hard thing to do. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Chrissy. Okay, so we have Janice, and then we got Nicole one. Janice, good morning. And good morning to you, Larry, and everyone online. My name is Janice M., and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Okay, so we read the first um, paragraph of context, which is all about my disease. And, um, you know, if you're a real compulsive overeater, I have experienced this to the T. So now I'm helped, you know, I, I seemed hopeless. Seemed means not necessarily so. Um, I seemed hopeless, but like we we know, we're not helpless. Now, to seem hopeless is is to give up, you know. But it says here, but on the other hand, it doesn't say but. It says on the other hand, but I'm just going to insert the word but. But strange as it may seem, if if you know you have some problems, et cetera, et cetera, those same problems are going to be repaired, not by me, not by me, because I can't do it. I'm beyond human aid. It's not going to be repaired, and the obsession is not going to be removed by people. Not even going to be removed by the tools in the program. They're good. But the real tools are these simple rules, which is which are the steps, the 12 steps of the program. Now, how can that happen? What's so mag- What's magical, quote unquote, about these steps that, that most of us that have go through this become recovered? And we don't activate the phenomenon of craving because we, we, because why? Because the problem is removed in my head. By me? No, not by me because I couldn't do it. But what happens in these steps when I implemented them is a power. See, we talk about powerlessness. That's how I was. I had to come to that very good place to be, to be powerless. And then we can start to, you know, we can invite that power in. It's not my success. When it says here that finds himself easily able to control his desire, that doesn't mean that I'm controlling it. That means the power is doing it for me. Because I could never do it, because I'm not, still not going to be able to do it if I, you know, implement these steps. Because I'm powerless. I'm going to be powerless for the rest of my life. Because once I pick up that that bite and ingest it, 
the phenomenon of craving begins, which separates us from the normal eater. So it's a great thing to feel powerless, to be powerless, to know that, that, that you know, I seem doomed, but I'm not. Everything after the word but, I'm not, you know, it changes the whole thing. So that's what I see here. Um, and it's going to, it's going to, we're going to live by the principles and that's going to solve my problems. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thanks, Janice. Okay. We have Nicole followed by Leah. Nicole, good morning. Nicole, press star, uh, star one. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. I have to start off by saying um, the few things that got to me in the readings. Oh, oh. I could not, after a time, differentiate the truth from the from the false. That was me. I realized that I have been starring in the number one, you know, program, the number one talk show, the number one television show and it's called the Nicole show and I've been the star <laughs> and the producer and I have been looking for applause and I have been living for attention and I could put on a great facade and pretend I was so happy and oh yeah I'm a plus size girl but I'm so happy and I'm so bubbly and you know when the lights go out just like in the theater rather than doing the standing ovation I isolate because, hey, I mean, when I'm alone, I don't have to put on a show. And, oh, my gosh, it's, it didn't dawn on me until this morning when I just I got on my knees and I prayed that, oh, my gosh, no amount of money, no amount of prestige, nothing. I lost weight. And I thought, oh, well, I'm, I should be happy now. It wasn't until I started to work on the spiritual part and say, you know what, I was killing myself. I looked at a picture of myself from months ago pre-program, and I'm smiling, but I'm not happy. How can I be happy? I'm living in a disease. I'm living only to eventually lead to my death. And it didn't hit me. Until now that I was killing myself. And I'm like, you know what? God has told me that I'm worth living. There's a reason why I'm waking up. I haven't found my purpose. I never will if I keep killing myself. So I'm like, you know what, Nicole? The Nicole show is over. It's time for you to cancel that. And just let God control and let God lead your life. And I'm just, I'm very thankful. Powerlessness doesn't mean weakness. It means that I need God's help. And I'm now reaching out my hand and letting him embrace me. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nicole. Okay, we have Leah followed by Sally. Leah, good morning. Thanks so much, Larry. Good morning. Um who seemed doomed, you know, I I certainly felt doomed. You know, I was at a point that I knew I was dying from my disease, 
and yet I needed a binge more than I needed anything else in the world, uh, that's a bad place to be. That is a bad place to be. I was experiencing isolation, deep depression, suicidal thinking, and and worst of all, I had no hope. I had no hope that anything would ever be different. Um, and I had, you know, the opportunity to meet someone in whom the problem had been solved. And there's something special that happens to people like me when one compulsive overeater who has recovered speaks to another who still suffers. I left that conversation with something I came in without, and that was hope. I left with hope that as a result of the of these actions, these simple rules, the 12 steps, as a result of a spiritual awakening, I could be changed in the way I thought, in the way I felt, and especially in the way I was behaving. And that's exactly my experience. You know, and that is the experience for those of us <laughs> that um, implement the program of recovery as if our life depends on it, because it does. You know, we have a lot that goes on in the environment of Overeaters Anonymous. You know, there's a wonderful birthday bash that's happening in Los Angeles. Uh, there are meetings, such as A Vision for You. There's events. There's conventions. There's retreats. There's sponsors. All kinds of activities that go on that constitute the OA atmosphere, the OA environment. But in that environment, the whole purpose, the whole purpose of this meeting, the whole purpose of the OA community is to cause each one of us to implement, to pursue these 12 steps in, in our individual lives. That's what OA is all about. And the process that causes each one of us to work the 12 steps ourselves and to have the result we're looking for is a spiritual awakening. Because as a result of these few simple rules with respect to our binge foods, we're rendered completely neutral, no fight, no temptation. The problem's been removed. We experience freedom from the obsession. Yes, yes, it is miraculous, but it is not magical. It requires action. It requires the implementation of a few simple rules. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thanks, Leah. Okay, next we have Sally followed by Danielle. Sally, good morning. Good morning, Larry, and thank you so much, Larry, for your continued service. This is Sally A. at home in New York, and I'm just so grateful to have a few minutes to share about this very important, powerful paragraph. This paragraph tells us the how. We saw what our illness looked like. We all know all of us have many, many stories to tell about our illness. But in this paragraph, we see these important words. Once psychic change has occurred, and it goes on to say, he finds himself easily able to control his desire. And then it goes on to say, requiring a few simple rules. And so these are very important words to me, and I've been living them for a while now. Psychic change, easily. What is required and what I have been learning is that 
You can just, I have been much like Roland Hazard, adding knowledge upon knowledge upon knowledge. Yes, dissecting this big book. And we all love the study of these words, what the definitions are, the power behind some of these very precious old-fashioned words that speak so eloquently to what we experience a hundred years later, almost a hundred years later. But what I'm learning is that the practicing of these principles, the practicing, the action, action, action. Many have said, recover, recover, recover. And for me, those words have always been so strange. What does that mean, recover? How do I do that? I thought I was. I I, I was on that road. But the truth is, action, action, action. And for me today, the practicing of the actions I will take today. We're not a fence company. Yes, the tools work. But, you know, you can put up only so many. Oh, Larry, I hope you've got a timer going because I forgot to start mine. We can only put up so many strings of barbed wire. This is not a fence company where you can make 100 phone calls and we can do, 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 do to stay abstinent. That's not easy. This book is telling us it's easy when we practice a few simple rules. And you know they're speaking of the steps. We all know they're speaking of the steps. And so let me just say in closing, I'm practicing the pause. Page 87, the bottom. It's my favorite paragraph in this book. I'm practicing the pause because God is in the pause. And as I'm learning to slow my thoughts down and slow my words down and slow my actions down and go to God and insert space, give God space because God is in the space. God is in the pause. And that is what is bringing about the psychic change in me. And it's easy. And the steps The simple, not easy, but simple steps are leading me to that level of psychic change. Thanks for letting me share with that, Artas. Thanks, Sally. No, I practice, I I don't time, so I practice tolerance. This is what I do. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. Good morning, Danielle. Danielle, how are you? I'm good, very good. Thank you, Larry. My name is Danielle, compulsive overeater. I hope that my, I don't get cut off in my travel here, but that's why I try to try my, time myself a little better. Uh, you know, I've only been coming to this uh, meeting for a few weeks now, and I can see how effective it is in my recovery. And that's what I was hoping for, because I know that the power of, of uh, the, the message that I get in this meeting is helping me to understand my disease. And my, my disease is alive and well when I, when I focus on it. And this program and the solution that comes in, in this reading and what it talks about, about being powerless and how the disease works, <clears throat> helps me to be stronger and be able to walk uh, the other 23 hours of my day with a little bit of confidence. Because I understand that these steps do work. I've been here for a while. I... I Although I've been here for a little while, that doesn't mean my mind doesn't doesn't get quite one of the tricks on me because I'm a food addict, and I think that's the hard part. So I'm I'm still teachable. I'm still willing. I'm still here. That is probably my biggest biggest um, uh, hurdle that I have to get over every day. 
because it's easy for me when when I'm not among you talking with other recovering addicts to think, well, I can go up here and try this. I can do this. But really, the only solution that's ever worked is for me to see where my disease will take me down and it'll take me down hard. I, I came into this, the rooms of OA, um, a type 2 diabetic, and I have been able to reverse that as a result. And I work closely with a dietitian. I, I, I work closely with people. And I, but at the same time, I still watch others who suffer. And it, it's all related back to It's all related to this disease. And, you know, as much as when I came and I had recovery in other 12-step programs, that I had the psychic change, it wasn't until a way that I realized that I had been hiding behind food for a long time and that there was still something that had totally get surrendered. And in a way, I do that a day at a time. I do it because it's working. And my life is, is amazing. It's not always perfect, but it is amazing because I get to see and hear when I And I knew that. Danielle, I'm sorry to jump in. You know what happened is you're chopping up there, at least to, to me there. Yeah, and I so thought I was going to. No, no, that's okay. And I will, I will pass, and I say thank you. Oh, th- thank you, Danielle. We could hear most of it. It was just a bit choppy. Yeah, and okay, it does get choppy here. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Okay, thanks so much. Um, is there another Nicole? Okay, I think... All right, let's uh, let's go ahead and open it up. Who else would like to share? Sonia S. Mr. R. Nancy R. Okay, Nancy, you got Sonia, Nessa, Nancy. Who else? Anne Marie M. Anne Marie. Anybody Maura else? Z. Hey, Maura. And anybody Carlisa else? Carlisa C. Oh, sorry, Larry. Carlisa, Carlisa C. Yes. I got you, Carlisa. Okay, thank you. Sure. Okay. Well, let's go with this. We got Sonia. We got Anessa. We got Nancy, Anne Marie, Maura, and Carlisa. So, Sonia, good morning. Good morning, uh, Sonia S. Recovered compulsive overeater in Texas, um, seemed doomed is exactly how I felt after diets, felt me, even weight loss surgery. I used to relate surrendering to losing my freedom because of the fear of breaking my promise to God. Surrender is scary in the beginning, but the moment I surrendered and said yes and started working these steps is when the miracle happened for me. I'm now happy, joyous, and free sitting in the passenger seat. And with that, I pass. Thanks so much, Sonia. Okay, we have Nessa followed by Nancy. Good morning, Nessa. Hi, good morning. Vision for you. This is Nessa R. Recovered in Toronto, Canada. Um, I'm going to be a little bit of a contrarian here and say that the simple rules refers to only two rules, uh, and the rules are practice entire abstinence and then work the steps, because this has been my experience. Um, I, I worked the steps many times, and I truly believed that I was abstinent, 
except nothing really worked. I was not able to get out, uh, stay abstinent, and I wasn't able to uh, become recovered because unknowns to me, I still had in me the foods, the ingredients that um, triggered my allergy. I was still in full-blown allergy because my abstinence, you know, was not um, entire. You know, I was told, just come up with a, with, with a food plan. You know, the best that you can do, something that's workable, something that's doable. You know, nobody told me, what are your binge foods, what are your binge ingredients, and eliminate those entirely. So, you know, I, I determined, you know, sugar is a problem. So, while I don't eat cakes and cookies and candy, you know, if something had sugar as an ingredient, you know, in a pasta sauce, mayonnaise, um, you know, I don't know, sour cream, you know, whatever, you know, I paid no attention to that. And so, of course, the steps did not work. The steps did not work for me. And I see so many people now, and I don't know, uh, in the rooms of OA today who um, have not taken off their weight at all, who are still large, and yet claim um, mental and spiritual recovery. And, and I was just thinking, like, as a newcomer, I came in here for one thing and one thing only, to lose weight and be thin. And if I walk into a room full of people who talk about, you know, like how to transform and they don't yell at their kids and, you know, that kind of stuff, and they're still very obese, I'm going to walk right out of there. You know, and in my experience, it wasn't until I uh, became entirely abstinent, you know, 100% eliminating um, my known binge foods and binge ingredients and binge behaviors. Uh, and then after that, working the steps that I recovered. But that was, that was the, uh, the prerequisite. And that's why I, I, I say there really are only two rules. Number one, entire abstinence. And number two, conscientiously working the steps according to the big book. Because, you know, not doing that didn't bring me recovery. And doing precisely that, it's what helped me, uh, brought me the transformation that I have today where, where the uh, mental obsession is not an issue. The food doesn't call to me. I'm in a normal body. I have a beautiful life. I'm happy, joyous, and free, and only because I follow those two simple rules, and with that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks so much, Nessa. Okay, we got Nancy followed by Anne-Marie. Nancy, I tried to commandeer the plane to L.A. yesterday and, and, and take it down by your house and pick you up, but they, they, they tied me down in my seat, so I couldn't do it. Um, but anyway, Nancy, good morning. Oh, good morning. Don't rub it in. Uh, <laughs> my name is Nancy R. I'm truly grateful we recovered in Ovidus uh, Anonymous, grateful to God uh, that he's given me another day, another chance uh, at living life. Uh, I want to speak on the phrase, who had so many problems. And uh, I've learned in these rooms, I learned from a wonderful guy in AA that uh, I don't have problems, I have responsibilities. And when I fail to live up to them, then they become problems. And uh, when I when I was in the food, uh, I mean, it, it was like I was uh, fighting uh, one problem. It it's like life was nothing but a series of problems. Uh, and and uh, most of them, after I did my fourth step, I discovered that most of my uh, situations were of my own making. 
and that once I stop trying to play God, trying to uh, control my life and others, uh, life became a lot easier. Now, situations do arise every day. Things happen that I don't like. Things happen that disturb me. But um, uh, once I recovered, I'm able to deal with life on life's terms. See, that's what my problem was. I couldn't deal with life on life's terms. And when things didn't go my way, uh, what did I do? I anesthetized myself. So um, this this section really speaks to um, uh, the way I live my life. You know, problems I despaired of ever solving no longer exist because when I turn my life and my will over to the care of God, I discovered that things don't go my way most of the times. Uh, I, you know, I'm not the master puppeteer. I have a role to play, and my, my role is to seek God's will in my life, seek God's will, what God would have me to do. And in doing that, I find peace and uh, solutions and situations to situations that eventually work themselves out. And that only comes through being recovered uh, in this program, in the food uh, it you know life is life was scary, life was scary. One big battle to uh, to fight. Uh, I was a victim, uh, but today in recovery, life is wonderful. Uh, doesn't mean that you know I don't have my uh, ups and downs, but life is good, and I'm so truly grateful to be living this life. Thank you, God, for OA. Uh, with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Nancy. Okay, we have Anne Marie followed by Maura. Anne Marie, good morning. Good morning, Larry. Um, if it gets too noisy, I might have to um, stop. But um, I'm Anne Marie M. of Composable Over Eater in, um, in South Carolina, still on my way. Um, the part of this paragraph that really jumps out at me is that he finds himself easily able to control his desire for alcohol, the only effort necessary being required to follow the simple rules. And I am gratefully, gratefully no longer obsessed about the food, no longer desiring the food. The obsession has been removed. You know, I'm abstinent and so very, very grateful. And I will be honest, there's been many times that I have been at this place where I've been abstinent, the food doesn't call me, I have no more desire. However, uh, and many of the promises came through to me, but one of the promises, the one in uh, step 11 that says, uh, we are neither cocky nor are we afraid, well, in the past, that did not come true for me because I was cocky and I was living in fear. And I did not stay abstinent. I broke my abstinence. I got, um, you know, recovered, and I thought I am the be all, one all, and I am going to help everyone that I can because I am so great. Um, talk about cocky. Um, and I didn't follow through what needs to be followed through with, you know, 10 and 11. You know, it was like I was doing one and 12. So, um, it was only a few months ago, maybe two or three months ago, that I was on the line asking for help. And please, you know, just trust me that this does work. I just finished Step 11 with my sponsor. I needed to go back to Step 1, and I did that and have worked right through Step 11. The next time we meet, we're going to be reviewing Step 12. And I'm so grateful. I just pray that 
I can be humble enough to stay in step 10 and 11, but this is possible. This is not something that, because I was doomed. I was doomed and crying and didn't think I'd ever have a chance. And um, today I feel hopeful. So I'll pass it back. Thanks, Larry. Thanks, Anne-Marie. Okay, we got Mora next, followed by Carlisa. Mora, good morning. Good morning, Larry. Can I be heard? Absolutely. Oh, okay. Good morning. Mora Z uh, recovered through God's grace um, in Virginia. And um, this is the paragraph to me that speaks of the unmanageability of my life. This is the, the second piece of... Um, or the second thing mentioned, not necessarily second piece. It's all one piece. But um, the very same person who seemed doomed, who had so many problems, he despaired of ever solving them, suddenly finds himself easily able to control his desire for alcohol. The only effort necessary being that required to follow a few simple rules. Um unmanageability, and I'm sorry, that's my dog, unmanageability of my life was in the form of not knowing whether or not um, I was going to be able to fit in the clothes in my closet to go to work, Um, not knowing whether or not I would get home from work in a reasonable expected amount of time so that it wasn't thought of by my husband whether or not I had stopped at Dairy Queen. So I had to do that really quick. And the unmanageability of my life was accepting invitations and always, always canceling at the last minute because I was afraid they weren't going to have what I needed to eat. I didn't have the right clothing to wear. Unmanageability of I don't know you know, what to expect at the office. Am I going to have what I need? Um, Am I going to have what I'm supposed to have? Are my my tasks going to be correct and on time? Only after working 12 steps with a guide that had worked the 12 steps with the big book was I able to find the grown-up within me. I can still let procrastination take over. And I, in fact, had to make an amends the other day for something that I had let the ball drop on. And being a grown-up is the result of my working the 12 steps and finding my connection to my higher power. And that has gone so far in helping me to manage pieces of my life. I still find unmanageability, and I still have the same resource. I can still go to my God, my higher power. And I'm learning over time and have progressed a great deal from where I was that my life can be managed as long as I follow a few simple rules and stay close to God. That'll pass. Thanks so much, Larry. Oh, thanks, Maura. Okay, Carlisa, it's your turn. Good morning, Larry. Thank you for your service, uh, and I'm sure you can hear me okay. This is Carlisa from yes. um, Washington, D.C. I, I want to speak to this whole idea of psychic change because I think I'm, I was one of those and am one of those people who uh, had a spiritual transformation and awakening of the educational sort, 
my head is awfully hard in the sense that I, I, I can know something and be told something a million times, but like the woman who has, or the child who has to touch the hot stove herself and get burned, I'm her. So my, um, almost eight years ago, my physician said, if you don't stop eating like you're eating, you're going to have a heart attack. And for a woman whose mother and grand, uh, grandmother uh, had heart disease, which uh, led, unfortunately, to their death, um, that was big news. My, my response at weighing over 300 pounds was to go start binging my brains out the minute I was outside of that doctor's office because that is the only way that I could deal with that level of emotional stress because I knew what my physician was saying was true. So, but something happened during the course after her words and after really thinking about what my grandmother and mother would have for me, you know, their beloved child, that somewhere, something, little voice inside of me started saying, you are crazy. You can't continue to do this. And that was like a little bit of awakening for me. Then I was, I was bending on this food not only that I'm allergic to physically, but I, that was leading to this heart disease that I was talking about. And, and something in me just said, you know, you have, I can't do this. I just can't. I was so frustrated and so desperate. A, a woman who could do everything else in her life, I just couldn't do this. I couldn't put down this food that was killing me. And it was at that point that I asked God of my mother and grandmother to help me. Now, I, the only God I had was those, that food or anger or prestige or money or material consumption, you know. But as I started to, to seek, seek the real thing, and that's what I think we're talking about here, that there's a level of honesty and seeking that must occur in the innermost self of our being. And only I knew that part. You know, other people could help me, get down in the pit with me, but I had to concede to my innermost self that I was powerless. And my psychic changes began, and my spiritual awakening began, and I, with that I will pass. Thanks, Carlisa. All right, I'm going to jump in and take a turn here, if I may. Um, you know, uh, this is Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsive Reader. Leia spoke about the spiritual awakening as a process. It's a process, and it's, you know, it, it is indeed miraculous, yet it's not magical. And, and a miracle is, is a phenomena that, that is not explicable by, by, by scientific laws. It, it's something that's considered to be divine in nature. And, you know, I always had hoped that I would be sprinkled with pixie dust in this program. So what that would have looked look like for me is that, that I can eat ho-hos without gaining weight. You know, I'm always in a reasonably good mood. And I, uh, if you sprinkle me with pixie dust on that given day, I'm always comfortable in my own skin. You know, I can be judgmental towards you, dripping in judgment of you, and you'll, you, you, no problem. You, you won't step back on my toes. You won't retaliate. That's not what happens here. We go through a, a process, a sequential process that results in a transformation. And someone talked about the, of the educational, Carlisa, I believe, spoke about the educational variety. That was indeed the case for me. I never heard trumpets 
or saw angels. There wasn't a moment in time. It was an evolving process of change so that eventually I can look back in retrospect now and absolutely tell you I don't think the way I used to think, I don't feel the way I used to feel, and I don't behave in the way I used to behave. Because all action is born in thought, well, my thinking's different. I don't need ho-hos anymore, and I'm happy about it. I don't, I don't desire those anymore. God has removed that obsession and changed me in, in, in a whole host of different ways. So it's a truly miraculous thing. Let me open it up. Does one more person want to uh, take a share? Paula D. Paula, you are going to take us out here. Good morning, Paula. And good morning. And thank you for this time. And this would be Paula D. Recovered in Florida now. In Florida, but it's still in the same place. Strange to say that. But I'm going to go. This is one of my favorite lines. More than a line. On the other hand, you know, we come into this paragraph. There is very little hope of his recovery. Wow. But look at what happens here. On the other hand, you see... There's the choice on the other hand, I'm repeating it. And strange as this may seem to those who do not understand, this is the part. Once a psychic change, oh, I know it's been emphasized, but even more, your whole thinking process, you need a total change of direction. I was going in one direction. I was going in one direction, and that direction was taking me to a place I didn't want to go, and I sure didn't want to stay. And that's when it happened. I didn't want to anymore. More than I didn't need to anymore. I realized how important the impact of what was happening in my life. But look at what it says. To the very same person, by the way, the name didn't change. And by the name, by I'd like to just end. I'm going to end because I don't want to. But this part that said, and this is where I didn't want to go. You had to follow. Well, Lottie, I didn't want to be a follower. Lottie, I wanted to be a leader. <laughs> and the psychic change occurred, and I understood the peace. Listen to these few simple directions and follow them. Don't try to malign them. Don't try to change them. Don't try to say, think they're unfair or they can't be done. This is when it changed, and this is when I understood the simplicity of the rules, that I was complicated. I was complicating the same with every single problem, and I love that word, responsibility. Now I am going to close out. I thank you for the time that has been giving me, and I thank you for these beautiful paragraphs that are written, and the hope on the other hand. Thank you. With that, I do pass. Thanks, Paula. Okay, thank you to everyone who has shared. Uh, please join us for a, a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And thanks uh, especially to, to uh, today's readers, uh, Mary B., Lorraine W., and Deb W., and Janice M. Um, so we're now going to close with a reading from, from the big book on page 164. And, hey, Janice, can you read that for us? I'd be glad to. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day 
for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right. And great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then, pass.